Do you have any of your animals that get the zoomies? Oh my goodness, yes, especially yeah. Tim's dog, Anuya. She is just ridiculous. I can imagine her having the zoomies. Yep. And they're big dogs, so it's oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Path of destruction. If you're in the way, just forget it. She'll just barrel <laughs> right through you. <laughs> she gets this weird crunched up body thing as she does it and you're just oh, like so cute yeah it's fine <laughs> when it's when she's super happy normally like if tim's been gone for a few hours and he comes uh, home that's when she's it. oh yes run back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and then around 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 does he, andy do that no she's is still like just the calmest little thing that's cute Excited about food, though, huh? She gets real excited about food. <laughs> and every once in a while, because my daughter's cat, Peach, she will sometimes get the zoomies. And, oh. And every once in a while, when she's got the zoomies, Andy will feel a little left out. She's got a little FOMO going on, and she'll join in for a, for a one or two run back, and then ah. she, and then she's done. She's <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, that's Odin so gets insane. If we're sitting downstairs... Odin, it's, your cat, right? Yes. It's If we're sitting downstairs, it sounds <laughs> like there's a stampede going on up there. You hear, brr, brr, <laughs> and you're like, what the heck is he doing up there? But if you go up and look, he stops. So we're all like, we need to put a camera up there to oh, see what the heck is going on <laughs> while we're gone or while we're all sitting downstairs because he just gets crazy up there. That's so funny. But he only waits until you guys are out of the room and then he's like, going crazy. Yeah. Yep. That's funny. It sounds like we introduced our animals before we introduced us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. If you were here listening to us talk about our cuties, our babies. <laughs> my name is Whisper, and this is my BFF, Jemima. We're your yeah. co-hosts for Butterflies and Bravery. So we were talking about our love for our, our fur babies. We are both moms, but we are both moms with grown children. Yeah. The little fur babies are the ones that we have funny stories for now. Exactly. Used to be the kids. <laughs> yeah. Used to be the, yeah. Did you hear what my daughter said? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my kid did the funniest thing today. Now it's my cat and my dog. <laughs> Do you still get it? I still get it to this day. People can't believe that I have grown children. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's what happens when you start way too young. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also, we don't really look our age either. There's a little bit of that going on. Thankfully. I credit that to all the healthy eating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially, yeah. Yes, lack of the, our early days of molasses in our yeah. milk. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying teenage tales from Thailand. <laughs> And cracked wheat for breakfast. And <laughs> oh, we could literally do an entire episode on food stories from the TC training center in Thailand. Oh, like, yeah. An entire episode. All the weevils in our cereal that we weevils. had to pick out. When I tell people that we ate cracked wheat for breakfast, the response is unanimously, what is that? And I'm like, you know, the cereal. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, they feed that to cows in America. Yep. Oh, not people. Oh, oh that's why oh, there were so many weevils. <laughs> no, but in Thailand too. Remember some Thai people overheard the conversation about buying a bag of the cracked weed and they were like, why are you buying so much chicken feed? You have no chickens. Oh my goodness. No, I don't <laughs> remember that. Oh my God. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. We feed that to our children. <laughs> Right? Yeah. No, that's our breakfast. Yeah, it's we really nutritious, especially yeah, we with the weevils. <laughs> Protein? Yeah. Weevils. Hello? Yeah, we were just talking about that in my recent visit to Iowa for that wedding. Because it was the most siblings of us that had been together in one shot in a really long time. There were seven of us there. Wow. That's a lot. Seven it is a lot. Eleven? Yes. And especially because one's passed away. There's only a couple that weren't there right. that weren't able to make it. Yeah, we were obviously 
of course we have them, our memories and stuff. And we got into talking about the freaking cracked wheat with the goddamn fucking weevils. Oh. And we talked again about, do you remember how we would have the competitions? Who would have the most weevils we, yeah. and the most bugs? Yeah. Cause, Cause we had those weird things that were like plates and bowls. Like they were like bowls yeah. with those really yeah. extra thick rims. Yeah. So we kept like light up our weevils and our worms across our yeah. plate lid. It was like a really shallow bowl with yeah. a very large rim. So it served as a plate and a bowl. That way they didn't have to have too many dishes. Everybody could eat all meals off of this one. It's like the spork, the spork of, the board, of, yeah. of plates or a plate bowl. It, it, so it would be like a what? A plol or... <laughs> <laughs> maybe a, a blade <laughs> a blade there you go a blade oh my god so yeah. excuse me while i use my spork in my blade yeah my spork in my blade oh my gosh uh, oh. yeah i was at the end of every single breakfast we would have we had of our own little private like weevil symmetry right? yeah yeah oh yeah. my gosh we wild wild days were you there or you might have actually already been in Russia the time that we ran out of water and we had the one pot that we had to use for everything, for all the cooking that day? And for those tuning in, we spent a lot of our teen years in this, it was called a training center. There was about 200, there would be anywhere between 175 to 250 people at any given time yeah. in this location. The location was actually an old hospital that had stopped being used probably because it was so broken down and that we used as our where we lived and headquarters, um, our headquarters <laughs> where we lived and so they had all of us teenagers come there so that they could have these teen training programs and everything and usually there's about i think at the height there was like almost 90 of us all at once wasn't there like there's a lot of teenagers sometimes i yeah i never kept count it was just yeah. a ridiculous amount i know that and everybody was always in, they'd always have these special programs, this and that. There was always the main teen group. We always had all kinds of crazy programs and most of them were not that great. But then there's always this group and every single training center in the world from the children of God had it. And it's the Victor program, which is yep. basically they would send you what they considered the worst problem children, which were basically people that would speak their minds yep. or have questions. Yeah. And the, you would get thrown into the Victor camp and they would do man. They would do really hard manual labor hours and hours. And then the only times that they weren't doing manual labor, they were having to study their Bibles and, this huge hospital that that we were living in didn't have a proper kitchen. There was building yeah. outside. You had to walk. It was a fair distance. It was a hike. It was a hike, it especially was, when you're bringing stuff. Yes, and that was the whole thing. Is we had. I remember in at first we used to have to carry the pots up the stairs, oh and then God, I yes. think somebody dropped a pot or something, and then they were like, "We need to put in a dumb waiter." Yeah. <laughs> so then we had an elevator that took the pots up and down, but you still had to carry them from the kitchen to right. the school. It was at least a hundred meters, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably and about a hundred meters. And the these aren't like that you're cooking for your family of six. These are industrial. No. Yeah. Pots. Like think giant restaurant, biggest pot you've ever seen yeah. that you can hardly carry. We used to have to get the biggest, strongest boys every single day at a certain time. It was like quarter to five because dinner was five. Ten teenage boys report to the kitchen. All the big ass boys with their big muscles would come running out there to carry the pots upstairs for everybody yep. to eat for dinner. Yep. Yeah. It was crazy, a whole process just to serve oh the food and make the food. And then things like cooking breakfast were just a freaking nightmare because most every day for breakfast, we ate scrambled eggs and rice, scrambled eggs and rice or cracked wheat. The, that was <laughs> right. Wasn't that yes. the basic yes. breakfast diet was scrambled eggs and rice scrambled or and cracked, rice wheat. And cracked wheat? Personally, I preferred the scrambled eggs and rice. Yes. At least I could doctor it up with some soy sauce and some pepper. We all oh, used yeah, to do sure. weird things put a little milk in it tastes really good just anything to alter the flavor you mean into 
into the eggs? Yeah, eggs and rice mixed oh, with no, soy but sauce like, with a little bit of milk. Yeah. It actually oh. wasn't terrible. Milk trick. <laughs> I think that was when I was in solitary confinement. Oh, um, okay. yeah, yeah. Both Whisper and I, after some time there ourselves, became shepherds, what they call what? shepherds. Ding, ding. New, New cult glossary word. word. Basically, it was a group leader is what it would be called yeah, in like layman's room terms. Cap- yeah, room, room captain. That's what yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah, room captain. So basically, you were responsible for like six kids or so in each room, six to ten. And then pretty much we would spend like an hour of personal time with each of them every week, listen to all of their personal troubles and whatever, cult appointed. <laughs> yes. Don't ask cult, questions. Type cult stuff, approved. But. Cult approved problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> One of the teenagers faked having asthma. I'm not sure what the whole background was behind it, but basically, they never took anybody the doctor. So she was able to fake asthma for a very long time without anybody knowing yeah. that she didn't actually have it. I remember one time there was one of the kings, one of the sponsors, another cult glossary word, I think from India. I think he was the one that was visiting. I'm fairly sure. And she was having a huge asthma episode. Her bed was out on the balcony so that she could be participating in some big evening activity we were having. I can't remember what. It was one of those fire burning your things or something like that. Some big life transforming activity that everyone needed to participate in. So they wheeled her bed out onto one of the balconies. And so she was out there right in the middle of it. She started having a big, huge asthma attack. Everybody was stopping and praying and speaking in tongues and all the crazy (laughs) stuff that we did. And I, as as you normally do on a Friday night. Right. Yeah. (laughs) normal what is normal (laughs) there is no normal Uh, as we are clearly stating (laughs) Um, (laughs) sometime not too long after that they ended up taking her to the doctor because she was passing out holding her breath for so long that she would actually physically pass out so they ended up taking her to the doctor and the doctor pulled them out of the room and says, is do mental problems run in her family? And they were like, no, because they didn't believe in mental problems. So yeah, nobody had them, right. obviously. So he said, she doesn't have asthma. She's never had asthma. She doesn't have any asthma symptoms at all. So then, of course, she denied it and for a while and then after a while, I ended up confessing, okay, yes, I've been faking it for, it was a, a substantial amount of time, five oh, five oh. years or more that, that she had subs- been, yeah. the whole country pretty much was involved with her well-being and how I sick was she was. And she was very important because she was on the singing team. She has a very beautiful voice. I remember this so well. There was definitely this whole, like, the way that they, wanted to present the story was how dare she that's how they presented it to us was how dare she but being who i am now all the experiences that i've had the studies the training that i've been through a coach a mentor like all these things now when i think about that i just think about imagine how much pain a human being had to be in that was her only way of escape yeah i i wish i had that knowledge back then that could have been more sent some sort of like sympathetic <laughs> words to her. Although they whisked her away and put her, like you were about to say probably in solitary confinement, but I just, I still, I've seen her a lot too long ago. She's just a beautiful person. Yeah. And just straight up fucking pain. Yeah. Yeah. They put us in solitary. I was in solitary with her for three months, three months. I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody either. No, yeah, I know. That was a tough time for me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. in solitary too. I just, it was her and I. I mean, honestly, I don't even remember what the days consisted of at all because mm-hmm. I think I just blocked it out. I don't, I honestly, I don't remember what we did at all. I can't have any 
any remembrance at all. I tried so much. I remember being with her and I remember being in confinement, but the only thing I can remember is that the eggs and rice in the morning and how we would put soy sauce and milk. And I got her to put soy sauce and milk. And she got me to put pepper. <laughs> oh, I was like, I've never tried it with pepper. She's like, I've never tried it with soy sauce and milk. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh. That's 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 one of the things that bothers me the most is if the memories I do have are this bad, what the hell am I blocking out? What the heck? What happened to me that I can't remember? There has to be a lot of it because there's huge gaps of time that I have nothing. And even other people are like, don't you remember this? Don't you remember? No, I don't. Honestly, yeah. I don't remember it at all. And then other things are just clear as day to me. Yeah. But huge gaps like that entire three months. I was in solitary again a few months later in a different home. I guess I was like, that worked with her and one teenager. So let's do it again. <laughs> that one I remember. We did laundry. <laughs> We, oh my god. We probably yes. did laundry, laundry in the first confinement too, because oh that was I do remember doing a lot of laundry. So that could have been during that time. The laundry with the snakes and all of that. Oh my gosh. How to describe what that meant to do laundry? I don't know how to describe that. It was a punishment. Starting from like the poop that filled diapers. Yeah. Everything was always supposed to be natural. Think of the the cult as like extremely religious hippie. There was definitely this adherence to everything natural, organic, and yeah, <laughs> organic. Nothing. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously. But when you have how many babies do we have in the nursery at the training Ten, at the TC? Ten, twelve, and they depended. all whenever who was having babies i i worked in the nursery yeah. for a long time as well i'm sure you did too there was one point where i was with one baby for six months while his mom was gone to singapore or something like that yeah and i took care of a very young six-month-old baby for six whole months i was oh, his yeah. mom yeah. it was crazy and then you become so close to them and then you lose them yeah i yeah. still wonder i don't yeah. even know who it was I don't you know, even know who it was. I, rem I remember my baby. It was Patty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You get really close to those. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, they're like almost newborns and you got, you get them and you're with them night and day. And yeah. Yeah. You're like, it's the only. <sighs> Comfort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you have. I don't, I don't think like they ever even stop for a minute. <laughs> To think about what that must have been like for us to fall in love with this little baby and to raise it and feed it and sleep with it. And then one day it's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Next group graduated. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. And then you don't see them at all except for passing in the hallway. Or they they just move them somewhere. Their parents would move them or whatever. Yeah. Another home. But yeah. We would have these, we had this nursery and uh, these babies. And so you've got, say, 10, 10 babies all pooping two to three times a day and into cloth diapers. Because there was so much going on in the nursery all the time, they just had these huge buckets full of with water and a little bit of bleach. And they would just drop the diapers into their poop and all. And those buckets would get carried down and given to the laundry people. And that was all our job like all the way up to young toddlers. This was like, it was gnarly. Yeah. And, substantial uh, poop. <laughs> yeah. The diapers were always first thing in the morning. Cause that was yep. the most important, right? To get them done. Yep. So usually if your punishment was laundry, that meant you'd get up even a little bit earlier than normal chores. We called them something else, but chores. <laughs> and you'd have to go, you'd have to wash the diapers. If the laundry machine was on the fritz, you were stomping those out by hand, by I was going to say by hand, but it's really by foot. Yeah. And then once they were clean, we would carry them out front to this old carport on the property we were in. And it was the only place that had a, like a, like an awning. 
and they had strung up the laundry lines there. And then we would hang up the laundry. And then it was by that time, about time for breakfast. The laundry was definitely a big old, big old punishment. They put us on it. We were on the run the race program Yep, because we didn't have washing machines. We got washing machines after some time of being there, but for the first, I don't know how long, quite a long time yeah. of being there, we didn't have washing machines. When it came to the run the race program, like yeah. there, there, we did have some washing machines at that time. That was supposed to be for our exercise. Yeah. Yeah. For our exercise, yeah. they stuck us in the stomping because in Thailand, in the bathrooms, they don't really have a shower. They basically just have a big tub of water and then you scoop it onto yourself and then wash yourself and scoop it back on again. And all the bathroom is tiled and you just, you know, squeegee it all yeah. into the hole type of thing. So we'd fill up the huge tub with the laundry. The laundry days would rotate. Each certain sets of rooms would have laundry rooms on certain days once a week. Yep. But the fact that they kept us to only two outfits each mm-hmm. or three technically, because you had one for exercise and then two, one that you could wear while one was being washed. But the fact that they kept us to such a limited wardrobe really cut down on the laundry, but still we so, had to wash, we had to wash all of that. You have teenage boys. They're going to be teenage boys no matter what. I don't think it was particularly evil at all. I don't even think it was mean. I think it was just them trying to find ways to have fun. But for any of us girls that were like bigger breasted and needed to have the bigger bras, like there was always some sort of game challenge, whatever that they would secretly do amongst themselves to see who could get one of our bras to wear on their head and that sort of thing. ways to entertain ourselves (laughs) (laughs) that's funny (laughs) the bath laundries we used to make jokes about how we're like stomping out the grapes like because that's literally what it was like because you you tie your clothes up as high as you could and then we get in these big tubs and it looked exactly like you'd see in the tv shows or something like that people are in the big old wooden barrel stomping out the grapes but in this case it was our it was a laundry yeah it was exhausting too man oh yeah I remember doing a thousand stomps. Yep. We're yep. supposed to do a thousand stomps for each load. For some reason, that was the magical number when it was going to be clean. <laughs> Ding! 1,000 stomps. Move and the water's the like, phase. and the, the water's up like mid thigh. Oh, yeah. Water and clothes. Like, this yeah. isn't just, oh my gosh, it was a lot. It was hard. And then you had to stand with all the snakes to hang it up. Yes. Because um, consequently, the shade is where the snakes wanted to be, too. Do you remember also, we always had those mangy dogs that were everywhere? Yep. Yeah. On the one hand, it's nice. But on the other hand, the Thai people, the country is Buddhist, which is like pretty much a, a philosophical belief system. And you honor all living things. There's no, really not a thing as the pound, like a dog pound or a humane society over there. The, the animals would run free and because they were not taken care of without fail their dogs will always have mange and so we had that big old table outside for hanging the laundry so we could bring all the wet stuff out there and put it on the table and, yeah. and then hang it at, at some point i don't even remember like how it happened because it was just like one day the dogs realized that there was a table there and uh-huh. they started jumping up on it do you remember they started jumping up on it and so in the morning when we come and like to chase the dogs away that had been sleeping there all night there was like always blood all over the table and we have to like go get a bleach and clean that all off oh god it was horrible that morning laundry thing they finally put a they finally put a teen boy uh, on the laundry so that we could actually at the end of the day like tip the whole table up because that thing weighed like probably the weight of a small car it was huge and heavy like the it had six legs and each leg was like a good tree trunk (laughs) like a good probably 18 inches wide it was a huge ass table so yeah those 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 fun laundry days yeah seriously (laughs) sounds like a concentration camp right i remember being in the e-wing for a really short time i thought that we were like 
shepherding somebody in a camp? Is that what we, it was? Yeah, yeah. We were overseeing the Jets, which is the junior teens. We were we were shepherds, and they were out in the E wing for a punishment, <laughs> or was that because normally we weren't? We were all up in the other um, wing together. It was when we had when we had whooping cough going. Oh, around. okay. That's when we had whooping mm-hmm. cough. Okay. Okay. Now mm-hmm. I remember so we went straight down. into the measles. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. we went straight from whooping cough into measles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that. That's what happened. Okay. Because that's another thing that the cult did not believe in either was vaccination. So right. yes, we um, always had childhood diseases going around chicken yeah. pox here, measles there, then, so once the whooping cough went around, we literally went straight into measles after that. Whooping cough is, is a gnarly one because you you can have it for a month straight. Yeah. So we were down in E-Wing for probably six, six seven months, I think. We oh. were down there. Okay. That that's, was, that was that's pretty bad. Yeah. I didn't like that. I blocked Mm-mm. out most of it. I remember yeah. that at one point, for the only time in my adult life, I peed the bed, and I don't remember why, but I remember telling you to not be like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I was so panicked. I'm like, I don't want anybody to find out. I'll get in so much trouble. Because I was like 18 years old, I yeah. think. I think at that point, I had the laundry room key. I think so. Me and the Jets were in charge of it. I think that's why you came to me is because yeah. I was you like, I'm going to take in. it. I snuck their sheets in and got you a clean set of sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Sneaky. Oh my God. We would have gotten in such big trouble. That would have been like a very punishable offense. You yeah. washed her sheets on the wrong day. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what they would have done actually. They would have made you like pray, write a super big report about why it happened, you know, like why it happened or whatever. Or something. I don't know. Or fast. It was so unpredictable. You, no, you never yeah. knew what was going to get you in trouble or what wasn't going to get you in trouble. And what got you in trouble with one person wouldn't get you in trouble mm-hmm. with another person. And then again, there were times that, like me personally, <laughs> I remember one time we were doing a skit and it was like some big fellowship a gaffum or something greater area <laughs> fellowship meeting. I don't know. And um, we were doing some skit about something and Sarah told me specifically not to tell a particular joke, but it was super, super funny. And I went ahead and told it anyways. And everybody laughed so hard and I felt so rewarded. And then I looked at her face and she was so mad and I got in so much trouble. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist to me. It, for some reason at that point, it was worth it. I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't care because this is the only chance I have to impress all these people. <laughs> Do you remember what the joke was by any chance? Oh, heck no. I don't remember oh, okay. even anything that it was about <laughs> or anything. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. You know what? I got in super big trouble for it when I was in charge of the laundry and with the jets, the junior teens, do you remember that the laundry was off the foyer? I guess you would call it the foyer, the landing area that you came in that place. And we always had someone sitting there. So the person that would sit there at this desk, they were basically like the receptionist and in the desk, they had the keys to everything. They had the keys hanging there like a valet, right? Like they would open the door and the keys would all be hanging there of every Mm -hmm. room, everything that you could possibly think of except for the very highest of high rooms and the special things. But this one person, (laughs) this one sir, the laundry key was in the desk. And so we would wake up butt fucking early in the morning, come down and do the diapers because that had to be done first. Mm -hmm. We get those all done, hung up, and finally anywhere from like sometimes up to two hours it would take us. And then finally, okay, let's go have breakfast. And during that time, while we were gone, he would go and he'd take his clothes and he would run a load. And we'd come back from our breakfast or whatever it was, our our lunch, the machine would be going and we'd have to sit there for 30 minutes waiting for his load to be done before we could put in the actual assigned person's load. And then that would make us all behind. And then 
I was constantly in getting trouble because I was always behind on the schedule because he was always running a load of his laundry. So we had two copies of the keys. I held one on my person so that I could access it. And there was one hanging at the entry desk. I, I complained about it a couple of times and I got told that I needed to respect my elders. That's literally what they said. Respect your elders. And I was like, what the? They said he's been there since the Texas Soul House, whatever the right. place was called. TSC. From the, the TSC. Texas yeah, the Soul from, Clinic. The Texas Soul it? Clinic from yeah. the very beginning. But 1969, he's right. been in the cult since 1969. So yeah. respect faithful your elders. servant. Faithful yep. servant respect of the Lord. Respect your elders. And I was like, why? It's forward and scattered. Anyways, I did not understand that. And so one day, the key at the desk somehow. <laughs> uh oh. I can't tell you how many times John asked me, Have you, are you sure you haven't seen the second set? Nope. Mm-mm, I only have mine. And he's like, Well, I need to get a copy of that. I was like, Okay. Okay. We were playing this game for probably a couple weeks. And and then I had to go out. I, I was going to be gone for a couple of days of road trip or something like that. And at the time, I did not have another shepherd with me, another team shepherd. Well, usually, there, there's always two of you in charge of any group of children. But at this time, I didn't have anybody. So I took the oldest child I was in charge of, the oldest junior teen, who was, I think, I think he was like 14 even at the time. He was not. He was not a baby. That's for sure. He was 14 or something like that. I gave him the key to the, because at this point I was like so fed up. I gave him the key to the uh, laundry room. And I was like, this is for you to keep. Cause he was supposed to keep the laundry going. Like right. while I was out those couple days. And so I was like, this is the key. So you can make sure that nobody gets in the, the, the wash machine room. I came back two days later and I don't even think that I was in the front door for more than a few minutes before I got told to go down to E-Wing and, and I was put in isolation. And what had happened was while I was gone, John took the opportunity to go and tell on me to Sarah because he went to the kid first and said, I want the key. And he was just trying to be follow orders or follow you know instructions orders follow instructions and he was like i'm not supposed to give it to anyone so this grown-ass man who was trying to break the rules technically it wasn't right. that big of an infraction but he went and told on this kid to sarah and so sarah went and said you need to give me the key and he was like auntie I was Joanna at the time. Right. Auntie Joanna said not to give it to anyone. And that that one thing sealed my fate. And actually for the pretty much the rest of my life because they sent me to the E-Wing. I got put in isolation. I got put through hours and hours of grilling and yelling and hours and hours how fucked up I was and how out of the spirit I was and how I was leading these children astray and all I just hours and so they said you can't be on the kids any with the kids anymore they replaced me with I think it was Stephen Vessel at the time and I got put on I got assigned to I guess clean up cleaning so I would fill the water bottles and carry them. I would scrub the bathrooms with the toothbrush and all that kind of stuff. And at that time, the charter was about to come out. So they were trying to figure out what to do with everybody because they knew that all hell was going to break loose once the general population had a vote, which is what the charter was. It was a new where basically anybody who was 16 and up, right? 16 and up could have a vote. And yeah, and so the leadership were like scrambling to figure out what to do with everybody so that they can maintain control once everybody got a vote. And that was at the time my kid's father was interested in me. He was very young at the time, but his mother happened to be the same person who also happened to be dating John, right. which is why he got the special treatment. That's with why the key. he got to do the laundry. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
she did not want me to be with him because I was bad blood. Literally, I was told I was bad blood. Because you had the key from somebody that should have never had the key. Yeah. Well, and because my mom was always getting in trouble. So I was a bad bloodline. Oh. Yep. I knew that you got taken off of the jets, but I never really knew. I didn't remember why. That's what it was. I was freaking ridiculous. I know that it was uh, that they said that you they liked you too much. I the cult of the personality of Joanna B, <laughs> right? Because they all liked you too much. The kids yeah. loved you. The kids loved me. It was the same thing with both of us. Obviously, we made mistakes too. We had to oh God, yes. do things that we regret a lot. Wish we did not ever have to do. Had to enforce yeah. things that are just ridiculous. I have a a lot of shame and guilt for a lot of the things that I did. But on the other hand, I didn't know any better. I didn't. I didn't. We were, yeah, it was, was we were just doing what we, what we were told and what we had to do in order to navigate the situation and to be able to stay out of solitary confinement and stay off of silence restriction. I was put on maintenance. Yeah, for an extended period of time, all I was allowed to do is clean fans and screens, yep, and mm-hmm. sweep the floors and stuff because that was the way that that they humiliated people. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. was placing them on the lowest job that they could think of, which was cleaning the toilets and doing the laundry and all of that. And then it was shortly after that is when I became a NAS. Is when the chart, yeah, right before the charter came out. So yep. when that whole thing was going on, that's when I was nassing around the country. <laughs> nassing. It yeah. means national area shepherd. I basically went to every home or colony in Thailand. And my sole purpose, my sole job was to talk to the teenagers. I spent one hour with each teenager in each home in Thailand. And we just went from home home and i just did walk we called them walkie talkies walkie talkie after walkie talkie after walkie talkie yeah and honestly i didn't mind that I no did. it no, was nice because these, they were like our little brothers and sisters i loved the i to this day because obviously now we have social media and i i'm connected with the kids a lot that, of them and, and i just marvel at them and who they've become and what they've overcome and i yeah. just i still feel i still love them just so profoundly to this day and i and that was the thing we always had to walk this line between you wanted them to be okay to not have to suffer didn't want them to get in trouble but you also didn't want to get yourself in trouble and get taken off of them it's like you constantly every single minute of the day you had to go in between how to navigate that tightrope yeah so that you you were doing what the, the leadership wanted you to do, but you were also still protecting the kids that you had. And the other thing too, that was so stressful is that you never knew who's going to be the narc because there's lots of different ways that we tried to cope. Right. Like we were just talking about before the faking a sickness, but some people tried to cope by getting angry or acting out. And some people tried to cope by doing everything they possibly could to get under the good graces of the yeah. leadership. So yeah. they would tell on you. Right, right. They'd tell on <laughs> They'd you. Tell on you if you were doing something. And so you never knew who was. Yeah. You had a, an idea. There was a few people that you would be suspicious of, but yeah. you know. But generally then, you didn't But you know. never knew because all of a sudden what would happen to me would happen. This wasn't someone that reported on me, but You'd walk in the door from being out somewhere and they'd be like, oh, guess what? We're yanking you from this place that you've been, these people that you love, and we're throwing you into the clink over here. And then because my kid's dad at the time was showing interest in me, that's when I got sent away then to the satellite home. There was another young person my age that nobody would have sex with. Oh, and, and you were assigned? Yep, I was assigned him. Wasn't that glorious? Yeah, it was special. I, I specifically remember having talks 
where the shepherds would say, nobody wants to share with them. Share was have sex. And can you do it? (laughs) And can you do it means you're going to do it. I mean, they asked you to do it, but no was really not an option. I think I said no one time. I think I did say, I think I did say, I can't remember because some, a lot of those yeah. things, I just blocked it out. I just couldn't, I can't, I just, yeah. even thinking back on it, I'm just like, nope, not going there. Yeah. Because how harsh is it to have sex with somebody that you do not want to have sex with? Like literally think about somebody that you're like, ew, no way, never. And then, okay, now you have to have sex with them. We're going to pair you with them. Yeah. It's to me, that was harsh as fuck. (laughs) That was harsh as fuck. Yeah. So what happened? (laughs) And then when the charter came out, they couldn't stop my kid's dad from moving to where I was. Oh, that's when you guys got together is when the charter came out. I got pregnant from our first time together. Oh, wow. Yep. Speedy. And and that's, that's when my life went that way. They're my treasure that I have. But also that whole like assigning, they, it was so confusing because like, as children, we had the most horrific exposure and experience with sex. Yeah. And then we turned around 15, 16, when all our hormones are going and we're all horny as fuck (laughs) and we want to have sex with each other and we're falling in love. And then it's all like, nope, don't even touch each other. Don't sit next to each other. You're a priest. You're a nun. We literally had a program called nuns and priests and you are not allowed to sit next to the opposite sex and you are not allowed to touch them. If you are a nun, you could only hug the women. And if you were a priest, you could only hug the men. So we went into that era and then it was all like, what the hell are we supposed to be doing here? And then once we started getting older, then they were like, okay, now we don't really have a reason to keep them from having sex and having relationships. So now we need to control it. Right. And that's when they started assigning uh, us. Yep, exactly. And do you remember you had to write down the three or three top names? Yep. Remember? Yes. They would get, they, they said, write down the three top people that you would have sex with. And we'll see what we can do. We'll see if we can match you. That was, oh my God. It's such a fucking bizarre world. And so, yes, we had, you had the experience. I had the experience of being on that, the the female side of it. But there was another side to it that I got, that got slammed into my face real, real harsh when I was living in another home. And this was before the charter. And I was 19. (laughs) There was only two other teenagers and living there, two two other male teenagers that were living there. And one of them was a few months too young. They they were 17. I was 19. And uh, at the time, they got really really strict about the age thing. This is when the raids started happening. Kids were getting taken away. So they were trying to be super, super strict about this. Yeah, so me and him started a a sexual relationship, supposedly. (laughs) What's supposed to make it okay is that if you got special permission to be in a relationship, even though your age was... And I was just... I was young and I was like, whatever. I was horny. I was having a... Like, I was having a a sexual relationship with someone. Under any other circumstances, it wouldn't have happened. But this was the home that we used to have to be blindfolded to go into. And we weren't allowed out in the yard. There weren't too many activities. And uh, I know if there was if there were girl teenagers there, it would have been a lot more trouble. I would have been in a lot more trouble. But there's only guy teenagers there. And he kept saying that he was going to ask special permission. And we are waiting for some big, like some big young persons. What do you call it? When we went to the YA meetings. Was it just called the YA meetings? I think so. I think they um, were called the YA the young meetings. Adults, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we went there, he was like, I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to tell them and I'm going to ask permission. But instead, he went and said, she's been pressuring me into oh my this God. and I don't want to be with her. What the fuck? 
So they came to me in my oh room my and they said, first of all, you're being separated from all of these people. You're not worth the time. You're not worth anybody spending any time with you. You're not worth any. They're like, you're not going to go to any of the meetings. You're not going to go to any of the activities. You're not worth anyone's time. And so they locked me in a room and I stayed there for the whole time. And then finally they came back and they said, Tiago pled your case. So we're sending you back to the TC. You're not allowed to go back to that other place. You can't go back and pack up nothing. They'll send your stuff. Wow. I think I got my guitar. That was pretty, pretty much the only thing that I got back from that situation. And when I came back to the training center, this is when they were doing that whole write down the names and swap people. I was just devastated because I was with the young teens in that home. They were my kids. We did, we couldn't go outside. You couldn't do anything. We were just like together. And there was only like five of them, I think four or five of them. I love these guys so much. I was mourning them, losing them. And I was, I don't think I was mourning the relationship or whatever, the the sexual relationship with this person because I was so angry. Like I was like, what an asshole. He later told me it was just because he wanted my job. He wanted, he wanted to become a a shepherd. Yay. But anyways, so I was just like, I don't want to be involved in any of this fucking sex stuff. I don't want to have sex with anybody. But the leadership came and they said, you are going to have sex with the people that we assign you because you need to break away. They said I was stuck. I was attached. They said I was attached to the person that I was with before, which wasn't the case at all. I was just mourning. And also there was nobody that I wanted to have sex with. Not any of the guys. And so we would have our date nights and the person that we were assigned to, I was actually very good friends with them. Very good friends. But every single time over and over, it was let me do something for you. Let me do something. I was just like, please don't touch me. I don't want to be touched. I don't want to touch. And, and we talk. And the first few times that happened, it was nice. We would just talk for hours and then we'd leave. And cause remember we had to write the reports after what yeah. happened. Yeah. And so we would fib on the reports. We said this and this happened and he was doing that for me. But as the times went on, it started getting worse and worse. Like he started putting more and more pressure on me to have an orgasm to come. And I was like, I don't want to be touched. And finally he broke down crying and he's every time I walk out of here, I'm getting grilled and pressured about what I'm doing and that I have the responsibility to bring you back into the fold, basically to bring you back to break your independence. And I was just like, what the fuck? Oh my God. Growing up in such a bizarre world, there were very few things that would shock me. Not shock me necessarily, but just sideswipe me. Talk about unexpected. This whole time I thought he was like, actually just felt bad for me and really wanted (laughs) to make me happy. That's what I thought. When lo and behold, he was like getting this constant pressure. And then to find out that I was the one assigned in this case. He was the one that got the assignment. And I was just, I was devastated. I was devastated. Assigned to this difficult case. (laughs) Yeah, I was the difficult case. God. A little bit more about the reports. We had to write uh, detailed reports about (laughs) everything that we did. Literally, they wanted to know, okay, so we laid down and then I grabbed (laughs) a stick and then rubbed my hoo-hoo. The whole thing about it is you weren't allowed to call it. You weren't allowed to call it a pussy. You weren't allowed to call it a hoo-hoo. You weren't allowed to call it anything except for what? Vagina? What did we even... It had to be like only certain words. You couldn't say my tits. It had to be my breasts. Yeah, whatever right? they were, it was always Berg's word. Pum. I think it was pum. I think pum. Oh, my pum pum. The kids were the pum pum, but the, the, that once you got older, it was just a pum. That's why I hate that pom 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 song. Come to me, it just goes come. They told me they rubbed my pom pom. That's what I hear. <laughs> it's terrible. It's triggering. It's horrible to have to go through like your whole life. I guess that's what he wa- he he would have been singing to me. 
Um, <laughs> Correct. Calm. Calm. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Oh, yeah. Calm. <laughs> come. They told me. They told me to come. <laughs> they run my pump pump. <laughs> Until I come. <laughs> Until I come, come. <laughs> oh, my God. I just read Christmas for like a sorry you'll never hear that song the same again (laughs) oh Oh god it's true though yeah, but it's but but so so weird, so, like, so, so like what were they just, yeah. like, getting off on these reports? Like, yeah, like what um, was the point? And then we had to do really weird things, like carry film control. canisters with lube in them. Like, why couldn't control. we just have a bottle? <laughs> and then no, and you then, had to take your own mattress. Do you remember? Oh yeah, you had to carry your mattress yeah. down. The guys well, would it, carry the mattress, yeah, and the yeah. girl would come behind with our little oh, oh. like the little tape recorder and our sheets. <laughs> Or else they'd be like, hey, so do you want to use my mattress or yours? And I was like, uh, uh, how about yours? I'll bring the sheets. Okay, that's what all the other boys do. I don't know. And this thing, it's a hospital-sized building. And yeah. we were all on the top floor. So our date, quote-unquote, would come to our room and be like, either he'd have the mattress already or he'd usually. come and pick up our mattress. They were usually and quite he- eager. We drag it down the hall. So everybody all knew the all the rooms. All the, all the rooms. rooms. Everybody knew who was getting off way, with who. And then all the way down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And then the and rooms then, on the top the was just a screen. He heard. They could probably technically just stand outside and be told what you were doing, but no, they didn't want to do that. They wanted reports. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. And then the OHRs, too. Open heart reports, right? Did you have a bowel movement today? Did you exercise for how long? What were your trials and tribulations today? And then we would sit there. I'm sure you experienced the same thing as a teenager. Mm -hmm. So long trying to figure out what the fuck am I going to write on this fucking piece of paper that's not going to incriminate me because you're like I don't want to say the wrong thing if I say I had a doubt I'm probably being solitary tomorrow um let's see well well let's oh I stubbed my toe and (laughs) the lord told me that I needed to be more careful and (laughs) watch where I was going in the spirit world, as well as in the physical world. This sounds great. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this is great for the day. Okay. And then they write something on it like, oh, but what about this? And you're like, what the fuck? That wasn't good enough. Oh my God. Yeah. And because again, it was like that tightrope, no matter what we did, we were walking a fucking tightrope because either you didn't want to say something so like big that you got questioned about it in trouble missed the one once a week movie or even even worse or or you'd get assigned a whole bunch of fucking publications that you had to read not only did you have to write your report right every night if you said something in that report that concerned them and again this fell on whoever the fuck was reading it there was no rhyme there was no outline or if they got concerned by what they read usually the first step was they would assign you all these letters right all these publications you had to read and for each fucking letter that you had to read you had to write a reaction right so if you did not write the just the right thing that kept you in that little bubble of just right Mm -hmm. you would have 10 more (laughs) rewriting assignments and all of them would have to be the same thing about react to what did the lord speak to you about through this but if you wrote something too blah to like typical or anything that sounded like anywhere in the last few days that you wrote then you'd have to rewrite it yeah or you'd get in trouble what are you hiding (laughs) what are you hiding you're writing the same thing here every day you can't be having the same feelings every day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was my whole thailand experience was very interesting it was we moved around so much the whole time that I lived in the open home, it wasn't as extreme as 
being blindfolded, but we'd have to all pile yeah. in to the back. And I was the same at the TC. We all piled in to the back yeah. of the truck and blacked out windows and the same two people in the front every day as you went out <laughs> so that nobody knew that there was 200 people living there or whatever it was. Just weird things like that, that were like our security measures and stuff. Yeah. Just- it's so I don't know it's so strange to look back and think about yeah yeah because if I hadn't experienced it I might be listening to something like this and being like you are making that shit up right no (laughs) there's no way somebody could be that crazy guess what if I had that level of imagination either something would be very wrong with me or I'd be the next Steven Spielberg because Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say, though, is with our story, we don't need to embellish. We don't need to exaggerate. We don't need to add details. We can just tell the straight up fucking truth exactly the way it happened. And it's like a goddamn horror story. (laughs) (laughs) But and I think, though, the, the thing that I have experienced as life has gone on when you start working on your healing and working through these things, as dark as it might seem to go back and talk about these things, I'm also glad that there's an element that I can laugh at it of just the ridiculousness because not only uh, are we still here, but we're okay. You know what I mean? We went through that and we are okay. Because if you are traumatizing a kid, you're traumatizing a kid, no matter, there's not a level. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just, if you're doing a horrible thing, it's still a horrible thing, no matter what that horrible thing is. Yes. Our stories are crazy. And maybe that's what makes them interesting. Maybe. Maybe. But (laughs) they're not necessarily interesting. Maybe that's what makes them unique. They're not your run of the mill stories they don't separate us from other survivors in in that sense. There's all kinds of people that have gone through things, especially in their childhood that they are, that they have worked through or are still working through. And that's where we are too. Some days it hits you in the fields. Oh, you have a few tears like we did today. When I hear people's stories, these survivors that have been through these things, or when I talk about my story, I'm not going back there anymore in the sense of living in it. I'm just celebrating the fact that I lived through it. I'm no longer living in it, but I can celebrate the fact that I lived through it. And that's something that I think is really something worth celebrating, no matter where we're at. It's not a competition in any way. Somebody meeting me, at the grocery store, seeing me at the grocery store would never picture or never imagine or that there's these stories behind me that the experiences that I had as a child or the things that I went through, the things that I fought through. Somebody could be standing next to you who's just this absolute warrior that has overcome all kinds of things and fought through all kinds of things. I think because of that, because I had that understanding of the stuff that I've went through is I don't look at the person next to me that maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they yell, but whatever is going on. I almost never find myself in a place of judgment of that person because I never know. And I figure that at the end of the day, being a human is fucking tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's messy. And there's all kinds of things that we go through hearing anybody's story you don't ever have to worry about oh my god are they damaged because of that or oh my god maybe there's something wrong with them because of it you don't even have to think that because you never know how many people around you who you might even see as normal or successful or who you might see as successful or who are doing all kinds of things and you would never imagine that they came from a difficult past or they struggled through addiction or they struggled through being abandoned by their parents. The fact that we can come here and we can create a platform for people to tell their stories can help more people to realize that that's not a blemish against someone at all. Their past is not a blemish against them. In fact, it's something that 
we can all celebrate. And there's so many more of us out there than probably people realize. There's so many more survivors out there. Yeah, exactly. You see somebody, you don't know what they're going through or what they've gone through. And it's always good to be kind. Always. To everybody. We've been friends for 30 some years. So I know that you feel the same way as I do. I'm not anybody special that has, like, I'm not creating something that somebody else couldn't create, but it's just my passion. It's just our passion that has brought us here of let's start having these conversations. Let's start having the conversations about what we have overcome, what we've survived and what makes us amazing. And let's tell our stories, not through the media, not through secondhand or whatever it might be. Or let's just talk about our dogs and our cats and our kids even because we're regular people too. I feel honored about that we're here now. And I feel we've getting so much feedback from people that have been on the show that have been interviewed. They're like, thank you. Like they felt so happy to be able to be on the program, even though we feel honored that they're on our program. And some of the stories... It might be a lot to listen to sometimes, I think. But just remember that anybody that comes on here, they're telling what they want to tell. And most people are not able to talk about something that they haven't done a lot of work on and they haven't healed through and are finding their way through. You can listen to the amazement or the strange or the weird, but there's also there's also celebration that those things are not hanging on us in the same way that they might have before. We are really grateful for every single one of our listeners. If you're joining us, if you're new, you're here because you heard about us from somewhere and this is your first listen, that might be interesting, but definitely go back and listen to some of our earlier podcasts. There's some really great interviews there. And if you like us, we'd love to get some feedback. Tell us what you think. This is way too much Like, this is way too sad for me. I can't anymore. Or this is like helping or, and, uh, or if you like us, give us some stars because it does help us start to grow. And right now, our vision, our mission is to create a platform for survivors to celebrate ourselves and celebrate each other. But we also need to keep the lights on and (laughs) keep the, keep the podcast running we really appreciate any kind of support that you can give us, whether it's a star, a comment, anything like that, an idea, whether you want to come and be on the show and, or you want to help out monetarily for some of the costs that we have in running this. These stories are, in a lot of ways, we feel they're very sacred. We haven't, we're, we don't want to necessarily bring in advertisers at this point so we are just asking if you feel you'd like to throw some sponsorship our way we would greatly appreciate it yes we are seeking sponsors for our podcast we both work full-time and it does take a lot of time in the unseen sort of planning and editing and all of that and we want to continue dedicating as much time as possible to this because this is our true passion and this is what we want to do and what we feel called to do. We want to help as many people as we can. We want to help survivors to feel like they matter, to feel like they're important, to know that we are all important. Every single one of us matters just as much as anybody else. Sometimes when you've been a survivor of trauma, you tend to put your needs last or not practice a lot of self-care. You tend to give out. Yeah. 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 Or you just give and give, and then you have nothing left for yourself. It's our passion. Something that we feel is really important is that, we can start bringing some of this hidden, oh, let's not talk about these stories. Let's not talk about the bad or the ugly or the scary because we don't want to, you know, scare anybody. We don't want to upset anybody or, or as a survivor yourself, sometimes you feel like I don't want to talk about this because people are going to see me therefore as different. I'm going to be 
I'm right. going to be wearing the sh- wearing the scarlet letter of this <laughs> survivor, mm-hmm. the scarlet letter survivor. And I think the more people that can come out and tell their story, we have different languages, but we're all saying the same thing. We just we want to feel that connection. We want to feel that belonging. And as survivors of trauma, you can sometimes feel a little bit more disconnected than someone who maybe hasn't had as much trauma. And so being able to bring that up and talk about it and be like, hey, you're okay. I'm okay. And it's also okay to be not okay. And that's still all us and it's still valid. And you're not tainted or broken or anything like that. You're absolutely accepted. You belong. Yes. You matter, like you said, you matter, you belong, yes. and 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 you're connected. If we can do that little part to make you feel important, to make you feel heard, to make you feel that you belong to something, to connect to something like that, uh, honestly, this is the joy that I have every single week is getting ready to do this podcast and these interviews. If we can do that little bit towards someone else's life and connection and belonging. I I feel honored and grateful. Yes, absolutely. Too. Totes malotes. Totes malotes. So that's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a dozen. Rappy poo. Wrap that dozen up. And <laughs> <laughs> if you take the time to, to make a comment or, or add a star we really do appreciate it because that helps as well that helps get the word out it helps bring you up in the ratings in the what do you call it the the bingo churn thing Mm. of the internet (laughs) 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 it's more you're more likely to have your name called your number called yeah Mm -hmm. internet Uh, lotteries (laughs) all right all right stay brave and remember that every butterfly was once a caterpillar. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. See you next week.